Welcome back to the pod. My name is Kenny. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. What's going on, brother? What's up, guys? <laughs> so uh, today we had the honor to, with uh, sitting down with somebody you guys may know, Mr. Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch. The guy was a genuinely cool dude. Yeah, yeah. Double black belt, jujitsu, and judo. Been a black belt in judo for like over 20 years or something like that. Yeah, man. We talked to him in depth about his journey, his startup, where he trains, how he trains on the road, a lot of cool stuff. Um, and mainly we talked about the PGF, the Professional Grappling Federation. Um, it's an organization. This is season six, April 21st. It's an organization where, um, you know, there's a different rule set and it's more of a fast paced jujitsu team based. Um, it's just really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a team based with a, the, the cool thing they mentioned about the teams, is they're, they're bringing in four head coaches. So it's going to be Hodger Gracie, Andre Galvao, Eddie Bravo, and Jeff Glover, Jeff Glover, the four coaches, but there's a, a, a essentially a pool of 20 athletes and they have to draft their team. So it's not like they're coming in with their five guys. They have to draft five guys from the pool. And he breaks it down in an interview. Yeah. And uh, just a very, very cool conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Here you go. Five finger death punch, Zoltan Bathory. Welcome to the show, my man. Um, so jujitsu, the uh, PGF, you just sure. invested in that and paid into that. So we were doing some research on it. Season six, April 21st. Um you were actually invited as like one of the like a a guest or a coach on a previous season, I take it, and you just fell in love with the concept of it. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, basically, basically how this whole thing happens happened is that you know we have this little thing, the Epic Tribe, so to speak. It started with there's a company, Epic Roll, that uh, BJJ Gear, basically JJJ Gear Premium, actually right here, Epic Roll, right. And, you know, I'm traveling in the world and I'm keep training with various people all around the world. And this, this brand kept popping up. And especially in military circles, like, you know, a couple of guys who were, you know, special forces, data force, this and that, and they, you know, multiple degree black belts. And I trained with them, and especially in those circles. This, this brand was a, a thing. And so at this point, I'm like, what, you know, just what, what the hell is this? And eventually I met the, the guy, Matt Watson, who started the brand and it, this brand was sort of a for us kind of thing. It wasn't originally commercially really available. It was just, if you know, you know, kind of thing, right? And so that's how this, the Epic Tribe happened. And I, I wanted to be involved with that because it was super cool. And then we now own the company together. So it's Heather Gracie, Matt Wasserman, and I own this company. And, and Brandon McHatron, who also was part of this epic tribe, that's how we became friends, right? So to, so to this, you know, this tribe is um, traveling the world, we train together. This is kind of like, you know, Jeff Glover is in there, Eddie Bravo, like a bunch of, you know, pretty high level guys and um, so legends basically, right? And so so this little tribe was um, uh, the, the thing that I was originally part of where I learned from, from Brandon that they have this PJF and then he asked me like, Hey, you guys want to come out and maybe Epic Roll could have one of the teams every, you know, there are four teams is team-based jiu-jitsu competition. And so every team has team captains and, and, and a sponsor basically. So that's how kind of it started. So they went out to, you know, Alabama where they originally had their five seasons, the first five seasons. As an, you know, I, they invited me to be one of the team captains and, and being there, I mean, man, I'm competing since I was not, was it 11 years old, basically, right? I've seen my share of competitions and this thing just blew my mind. You know, it's, 
I have nothing against, in fact, not that I don't have anything against traditional competition because that's what I've been doing my whole life. But the concept of this was just super fun and so different from everything else I've ever been part of, right? That I'm like, I mean, I, I want to be part of this somehow. And I was talking to Brandon and I'm like, where do you want to take it from here, you know? And we became partners because I'm like, hey, I, I have a pretty massive network and you know, I have resources. So if we get together, we can, you know, make, we can make a difference or a grand scale. So that's what this is. Yeah, to me, it kind of reminded me of almost like soccer. Like it's the right. points, like, and then you qualify the so many points you get compete all week. And then the top point guys move on to the final or whatever. So like, to me, I was like, well, that is kind of a cool concept. You get rewarded different points for doing certain subs or different submissions throughout, throughout the tournament. So or the season, and then that gets invited to the finals, correct? Right. Like a win's not a win. A win a certain way is worth more than a win another way. Right. So, so, so you know, it's, it's, you know, once you're there, like the same, same thing was going on in my head because I knew the rules. I knew what it was about before I went out there. Obviously, I, I checked it out. What are the, you know, what is it that they're really doing? I'm like, okay, this is really interesting. So, so we as Epic Row, Matt Wallstrom and I and Jeff Glover, actually, the three of us went out there and let's let's be, you know, let's have one of the teams and let's see, you know, how this really works out in real life. And so so the gist of it is really that obviously it's just submission only. So you don't really get points for anything other than subs, but you get different points for different subs. You know, no key GGC basically it's it's heel hooks galore, right? Mm -hmm. And so so that's the reason why that they managed to change the rules Makes into a, you know they they made the rules into a, a situation where let's say chokes are getting more points. Again, the chokes only get points obviously if you if you submit your opponent, but the choke gets six points versus a break, which is any of the joint locks, because they wanted to make the the, the competition number one faster so also the time is a shorter period of time it was a six minute bounce right right and so we were even thinking of maybe pushing down to five minutes because if you're not a jiu-jitsu practitioner and you're watching a competition if you're not a connoisseur you don't really know what's happening right like i see that the guys gaining inch by inch something but uh, you know what civilians so to speak they don't right so that's made jiu-jitsu boring to the the people who are not jiu-jitsu fanatics right and so to you know, to combat that, the, the time limit is five or six minutes. We'll, we'll see which one I think we're going to go for five. So it makes it super fast, right? Then, because it's team-based, you have four more teammates that on the side of my screaming at you, if you're lacking, if you're stalling, you're not scoring for the, the, the team. So obviously, you're you're uh, destroying their, their possibility to win, right? So they're going to be screaming at you. <laughs> Just, man, you're going you're gonna to work, right? Because it's sub only. And so... Mm -hmm. There's the the short time limit makes it faster. Uh, chokes are encouraged, getting higher points than anything else. So that also, you're not looking for leg lockers. Just kept, you know, obviously it happens all the time, but it's not the focus, right? right. They're trying to get more points, so they're trying to go for the choke, which is generally a, a more interesting, you know, engagement combat engagement, right? Right. So and you know, so we were watching. We said, oh yeah, this is this is really cool that. The fights were super fast, gentlemanly, violent, violent. But I'm gonna say gentlemanly is jiu-jitsu, you know, you know. Right, right. So gentlemanly, violent, and almost acrobatic. I can't even pronounce it. Acrobatic. It's almost acrobatic. People were flying around the mat. I'm like, man, this is this is something serious. But 
that the biggest part for me that I really thought like, man, this is this is very different. And I, I, I really thought that this this is a really interesting part of this. So it started with the auction. And so the, how the auction works is that you have 20 pre-qualified athletes, right? So these are 20 high-level guys. And then you have four teams with team captains. Like in this case, uh, Matt was from myself and 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 um and Glover was one of the team captains, one team captains, and then there, there were obviously three more. And so we have 20 athletes, and then we go into this auction when we bid for the athletes, right? So every team gonna have five of five athletes, and we all have the same amount of PGF dollars or PGF coins, and so. We're trying to assemble the best possible team. And if you remember, as you just said, like, like a soccer team or a basketball team, you, you have, the team has to win, right? So I have to make sure that I assemble the best possible team. But, you know, there is, let's say, a grappler that we all think that he's the best. If you spend too much money, too much coins on that one guy, then you didn't get to really fight for the other four. So you might have the best guy. Right. But it doesn't mean your team gonna team gonna win because so, see what I mean. So you have to be super strategic about who you're picking. So you may be better off not spending the money on the best guy, but you get the second, third, and fourth best. See what I mean? Right. And then your team will win. So so that you know that was already strategic. That was like you know a chess game, just like jujitsu. And I'm like, man, this is this is freaking television because you know we would I would drive up the price. For example, the other team wanted the guy because they trained together, right? So I knew that. And then I was driving at the price. I had no intention to buy him, but I wanted to run, run them out of money, right? So they Very would nice. do the same to us. So it, you know what I mean? So that was already like, you know, mental jujitsu in some way. Right. So, and, or if you take a guys like that are like really good at tacking the legs, you're like, right. they're not going to get as many points. So right. it's like, I can't have too many leg guys. You know what right. I mean? I need a guy right. who... Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I like that. Yeah, and you have to know that. And another funny thing was that, you know, for example... Uh, I was, I, I know that, let's say one of these guys, this guy's teaming, you know, uh, uh, training with, let's say the, the head uh, team captain of team number four, right? And I would purposely get that guy because now his own coach has to train against him. See what I mean? So, mm. oh my God, I mean, it was hilarious. So imagine like, you know, like we all tried to steal each other, each other's guys because now I have to, you know, like I would have to coach my guys against theirs and it's my guy on their team so so i thought like man this is this is pure drama it's funny it's it's I'm like this is entertaining so so when i saw that right and how former you know former um foes you know became friends because now they're on the same team they have to help each other right mm -hmm. so out in a in a world they would be fierce competitors against each other but now they're on the same team so that changes the dynamic, changes the behavior. And seeing that these five-man crews became super close friends in just four or five days while the PGF was running was, was incredible. And so I thought, you know what? There is something serious here. This can this can really change the landscape. This can really make a difference. And because, because this is something that people, again, civilians can watch and it's entertaining. So that's how I had started to have a conversation with Brandon McCatron, who was running PGF and 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 Keelan Lawyer. They, they, these were the two guys that was originally running it. It's like, man, I, I have the resources, I have the network, I can step behind this and and let's team up and let's let's bring it to Las Vegas. Let's put this front of the world. I think I think this will recruit even more people to jiu-jitsu and more fans who 
might not train, but now this is interesting to them. And and then that's why I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll put up the price because another thing is the price. You know, you guys train, you know this. We, we, we you know, we train our whole lives, risk injuries, take care of ourselves, buy our own gear, you know, travel to a competition, pay for the hotels, pay for my competition fee. And if I win, I get a medal, yeah. which great. You know I mean? It's a, it's a necessity. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the Olympic style of uh, structure, right? Olympics, you don't get paid. That's Olympics. So it's the Olympic style structure, you know, not, and so there's no money in it, meaning nobody can really go pro. And, and is there a future when, when practitioners can actually live, live off of this? I mean, there's a couple of guys like Gordon Ryan and a couple of guys managed, but, you know, that's really just a handful. Can we change this? You know, can we change this? Is there a world where, you know, where athletes actually have a chance that this is all they have to do, just train, and, and somehow there would be promotions that pay them? And I figured if we do this, this might change the entire landscape. Other promotions will also have to put up you know, a, a better price. See what I mean? Yeah. So I thought, I owe jiu-jitsu. I owe martial arts a lot. I owe my life and career. You know, I'm a martial artist. And the mindset that martial arts gave me, helped me to succeed. So this is my way of, of, of giving back, you know. And then for Heather Grace, it's legacy. It's her family's legacy. She's Carlos Grace's granddaughter. So for her, it's, you know, legacy. And then Brandon and Keelan started this thing. So, you know, there are the four of us. And, you know, we recruited just about the who's who of jiu-jitsu for team captain. So yeah. this is making waves. It's been out for a week and then, man, it's exploding. I think it's um, it's making jiu-jitsu more palatable to the um, the average person who might be interested in it but doesn't know about it. Like, we're all jiu-jitsu nerds. You know, we're right. going to consume whatever gets thrown our way as far as, you know, competition watching and stuff like that. But this the, the shorter time limits, the submission only – uh, the, the, the point structure, the way that it's set out, it's really, um, creating an exciting match, um, which is what people are looking for. Nobody, nobody wants to see, you know, aside from, again, the, the jujitsu purist, nobody wants to see somebody just lay on the ground for 10 minutes and, and slowly move, um, you know, the way like an ADCC might be set up or whatnot, where, you know, there's no, um, or, or immediately pulling guard or something like that. Like this is gonna, um, create like a more exciting situation and keep your eyes on it. So. Yeah, cor correct. I mean, like if, if you look at what, let's say Eddie's doing, right? Eddie, Eddie Bravo doing, uh, is doing uh, the combat jujitsu, yeah. right? And basically he, he was, what well, you know, it's, I go to those, it's, it's amazing actually, but you know, he's, he's, he's doing it with obviously the slap. So if you start, you're going to get slapped. Right. So, so, you know, it seems like it's, it's not just you, it's not just us. Everybody notices is this, if I can watch that, I can watch the, the slow-mo thing where people, you know, basically fighting for just an inch of leverage, right? Because this is what we do. We, are right. we know it. Yeah. You understand it. how difficult it is to right. actually get that. But for the normal person, yeah, it, it's hard to explain, but like now you kind of bring in like almost like a fantasy football, like an auction draft. Like when I first saw it as like teams, I'm like, so I saw, oh, there's 10th planet. Is there a Kamaita? Is there like, I was like, oh no, these guys are all just drafting their yeah. own guys that are on rival teams already just off the right. merit of their skill. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you know what? Exactly. But because see that the, everybody would go there originally, like, okay, let's pit, you know, Humeda against Atlas against, you know, 10th planet. Against, but see, Jiu Jitsu is a brotherhood, you know, 
it's a brotherhood. Doesn't matter what team you train on. You know, this is really rare when there are mortal enemies. I know almost everyone on the circuit. Like all the guys that I have to fight, I'm friends with. Right. And see what I mean? So so it would have been weird to to put you know to pit the teams against each other. I I felt, you know we all felt like that's not you know that's not in the spirit of jujitsu. You know it works, but it's not what we try to accomplish. What what this is? It's there is the team. But these guys are coming from everywhere. That's why I talk, that's why I mentioned that some of these guys were, you know, um, competing against each other before. So they they were previously foes, but now they're on the same team. So it's kind of it is a team sport, but not in that way. And and you're right because there's a the fan, the fantasy football aspect of it. There's a fantasy league, so you can you know when this is running, you can go online and you can assemble your own fantasy team and then see who scored what and so we're gonna we're gonna have that um element to this that's so cool. yeah. yeah so you can actually do that that's gonna be you know i get draft kings hello yeah. you know what are we doing you know yeah right. it's, it's be, gonna... yeah that's cool um did you uh coming up watching being in the sport you're a judo black belt first as a child yeah. correctly you started training judo as a kid and then um you know, your band started taking off and you took a, a sabbatical from judo. And what made you fall in love with jujitsu? Like what made you think like, you know what? I'm already the judo. I want to try jujitsu and not something else like Muay Thai or something else. What, what, what about jujitsu made you feel like, you know, I'm going to try jujitsu next. So, you know, I grew up in the other side, right behind the iron curtain. So, you know, in those, those communist countries, we didn't really have access to all kinds of martial arts, right? There was some karate stuff, but not really, um, you know, Kung Fu. We all know who Bruce Lee was, and I made my own nunchucks and broke my teeth with that and did all that crazy stuff, right? So we all, all did that stuff. But the only sort of martial arts that was really a martial arts, um, I didn't really view wrestling as a martial arts, but, but I did view judo as a martial arts, you know? And so... Every bigger city had a state-sponsored judo club, right? And, and so that was a big deal in my country because it's an Olympic sport. So that was one way, you know, you know, in a communist country that you can succeed if you, you know, you can travel the world if you're an international, you know, athlete, for example, right? So, so judo was uh, the martial art that was more available than anything else. So that's kind of how I started it, right? Okay. So I did that my, you know, since I was nine years old, somewhere in there, and. You know, if you look at the judo tournaments, however, and even, you know, we, we have Navaza, so we do have grand fighting, but but generally they're trying to keep judo standing because everybody's looking for the tropes. So even though we train some Navaza, we're not really that versed in it. Like you would have to be really into the grand fighting, ex, ex, grand fighting uh, aspect of judo, the Navaza part, for you to really explore it. Most of us went after the tropes because that's what judo, you know, is highlighting. So we were all trying to just get as much leverage as we can. And I, you know, toe bump everyone if I get you. Once I unbalance you and once I'm throwing you, I will elevate myself with my toes to actually get you higher in the air. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what we were looking for. That's the sort of stuff, stuff we were training mainly. And um, and so, you know, that so as I was, you know, I was was developing that in 1993 when everybody was aware of kind of the, the first, you know, Gracie challenge. So it was there, but wasn't really that available yet. So I was aware of Jiu-Jitsu, but not, wasn't a practitioner. 
And, you know, once I was in America, you know, I kind of got into everything that I ever wanted to do, the Kung Fu, that, you know, like I did a Filipino knife fighting and all that stuff. Like, I'm like, oh, everything is available. So let me, you know, let me get into this. And, and, um, but Jiu-Jitsu was the closest to Judo, obviously. And I always felt like you would be, I would be a complete grappler if I added Jiu-Jitsu to my Judo. So that's kind of what there, was there in my marriage. Like I'm already there. I'm already wearing a gi. I'm already, you know, I'm, I have, you know, I'm an expert, expert in Judo. So if I had Jiu-Jitsu, then that would make me a, a complete fighter. In summer in 2007-ish, when, when I like started to like, more seriously training jiu-jitsu and joining the club and and you know i became a, a, a jiu-jitsu guy i still teach judo and i i converted most of my judo techniques for jiu-jitsu so in my academy let's say i would teach the the, the takedown classes sometimes i do seminars it's generally I, i'm gonna teach takedowns because that's where i see that i can add to you know the curriculum i can add to uh, uh jiu-jitsu guys arsenal because i can show them things that okay here are things that we do in judo but us is yeah maybe dangerous in jiu-jitsu but if i convert it a little bit you know what i mean like for example giant throws the way i elevate throws the way i, I get these guys on the zoltan's airline and get them really scrape the ceiling it has such velocity and you know that it will it will and such an inertia that i will overturn Right. And in jiu-jitsu, if I overturn, I don't you're on bottom. So, yeah. I mean, I'm now on bottom. So, so I had to, you know, I had to uh, convert a lot of these things into throws and into techniques where I have full control all the way down and I will, you know, I will end in side control or immediately a side control. And from there, so I, I try to avoid to go into half guard. So, you know, I mean, the inside hooks, I don't do that because, you know, you, you end up in, you know, um, half guard or guard. So I converted all those things. So that's sort of my, my game in, in jiu-jitsu. But, you, oh, yeah, sorry, go do you think that, because um, to me, I do, do you think that the it's almost like an epidemic of guys starting on their knees in jiu-jitsu class? As a judo guy, like to me, I'm like, guys, if you're going to pull guard, stand up first and then pull it the right way. Um, do you think that's a, one of the biggest problems in jiu-jitsu academies around the world is so many people just starting on their knees? You know, I, I got I have endless debates, especially with Eddie. <laughs> I have endless debates about this. I used to tell Eddie, man, you, you need to be penalized for that. You know, like two points right away if, if you pull guard. So you, you used to have this, you know. And he's like, man, but it's pass my guard. If you pass my guard, then okay, I get it. You know what I mean? So we, we, I have these endless debates about this. So look, my opinion on that, that, that um, if you look at jiu-jitsu from the sport perspective, right? If I go to a competition and these are the rules, we're going to operate within the rules and the rules will dictate the behavior, right? So, so I can't really argue, right? Because it's the same thing I have if I said like, okay, I'm playing American football. I got the, you know, I got the ball, I'm running and we're punching the face. Yeah, well, <laughs> if I could do that, then I win the game. Right. So, so you have to operate within the rules of the game. And if these are the rules of the game and you're going to pull guard, well, it's in the rule set. And if it's, you know, if it's, uh, if it's um, efficient and it's, it's your game and you win because of that, well, how can I argue that? Right now, 
of course, martial arts is martial arts. It's not necessarily just a sport. In fact, it is not a sport. It's a martial arts. So would you pull guard on the street? I don't know. Jeff Glover probably would. You know, he's crazy. <laughs> so he, he would. I love Jeff. He's one of my best friends. But, you know, we, we joke about it all the time. But, you know, on, on martial arts scenarios, in, in self-defense scenarios, you're not going to pull guard. Right? Now, it's... As, as a judo guy, I'm biased. So I'm going to say, like, you know, we joke about this too. But guard pullers don't go to heaven. And then we start, start to joke about, like, well, you know, heel hookers don't go to heaven. And then wrist lockers don't go to heaven. So Pete the Greek, we see you in hell, man. So, you know, yeah. you, you, you know it's, just, it's, it's just a joke with him. But it sounds like then it's uh, the party will be in hell. So, you know what I mean? So, look, I'm biased. I'm going to say that... Um, Guard pulling definitely is butt scooting definitely, you know, from my perspective, would be like, come on, man, you know, let's 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 have a fight. But again, I'm talking about this from an advantage. I have an advantage on my feet, you know what I mean? Like that's decades of judo. So, is it fair for me to criticize it? You know, what I mean, not not really because I have an advantage. I would say that you're you're a black belt in both, so you're you're technically a you know a an expert in both. Why do you think that jujitsu uh, practitioners in general struggle with takedowns? It's, it seems like you, you get guys that come from like a wrestling background and like they, they tend to dominate in the lower belt ranks um, because they have that, that, that takedown background, but you guys that come in with no sort of a grappling background whatsoever. And uh, you know, all they learned was straight jujitsu from the gate. It's like a, it's, it's a huge struggle with takedowns in, Right. And I feel like so, even like, oh, oh go ahead. Now, so, yeah, two, two, two reasons. Um, one of them is out of, obviously, safety and mat space, right? It's, it's like when you guys, any of us, we go into the academy and start training, right? Especially from the beginning, if, if uh, uh, somebody signs up and it's a new student, right? They don't want to be thrown around and flying around. They don't know how to fall yet. So, obviously, but you want to have them already training and be in a program, right? So... And the mat space, like when and everybody's rolling and somebody gets thrown around, you're gonna hit each other, kind of. So, the liability reasons, you know, that how fast you can uh, get into actually real training, how fast you get to the point where you got to enjoy training, is these are all factors, but those are circumstantial. You know, it's just what it is. You go to an academy, you know, even it's a white belt. You know, after the the, the fifth day you're coming, you kind of want to already get into the scramble, right? And Imagine if somebody said, like, yeah, there are throws. I mean, like, you're going to smash people. So, yeah. so I think it's circumstantial that 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 uh, academy owners don't necessarily want the liability, right? And and, and there's that, that mad space issue that there are, you know, a couple of, you know, there's not enough space for throws, and you can hurt the other, you know, pad that is training. So so there are circumstantial reasons. Now, if you're a competitive jiu-jitsu guy, you actually compete. Um, you should learn some judo either you know join a, a, an academy or train with somebody who already knows or usually there's a guy like me in the academy who's who has judo background uh I, but i would say that if you're competing jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner you should obviously learn the takedowns you know there are guys who are super successful without it so you know what i mean so who am i to say but that's just kind of my opinion that you should but i think that's the reason because because it's circumstantial reason and once you get good on the ground then you don't really want to stand up then you you know because because you know it's kind of you're good at this already and now you have to 
go back to the basics on, in, in standing. I kind of, that's why, like, if you were to come to, let's say, my takedown class, right? I don't teach traditional Kodokan Judo, right? Because if you want to know what happens there, it's, it's just as sophisticated, the standing part of Judo, right? This is just as sophisticated as, as Jiu-Jitsu, right? So there's so many elements. There's so many little tricks and what really happens there and how we manage to achieve the Kazushi. How do I unbalance you? How do I move your hand? Grip strategy. It's, you know, it's a 10 plus years journey, right? So now it's either you sign up to a Judo Academy and you spend another 10. I was lucky because I started Judo really early. So I got to, you know, been both both uh, sports in judo for decades and decades in jiu almost two decades right so I, I i just happened so that i could spend this much time on both martial arts but if you sign up for jiu-jitsu now you're gonna, are you gonna you know learn 10 years of jiu-jitsu and, and add another 10 years of, of judo i don't know you know unless you have you know unless you want to compete in judo if, if not then then you can learn jiu-jitsu i mean so judo techniques that aligns with jiu-jitsu there are ways to you know as i said just a, a second ago that you can modify judo techniques there's a there's a basket of things that i can say okay from like kodokan throws here are the ones that i think is really good for jiu-jitsu here are the ones that i probably wouldn't do or i wouldn't even attempt because it's not you know either exposing your back too much or you know or land you in a position that um not you know, not re really efficient for you, or just too much velocity and it will overturn you. So, so I would say, jujitsu guys can always add this element. They don't necessarily have to learn the entire curriculum of, of judo. Cool. Um, so, being in such a successful band, me when I play a lot of spider guard, my hands are wrecked. Okay, mm -hmm. and like <laughs> I can't even bend my fingers. I'm icing my hands. I'm you know. How does that affect your playing when you're playing the guitar? Like, do you ever have like hand damage or like an injury or a shoulder injury or like rib cartilage? And like, does your band get mad at you? Like, hey man, we need you to. Be <laughs> what are you doing hobbling around? Because so, me, yeah, 15 years in a game, I'm always banged up, it's, limping it's, around. It's definitely in in there, right? It's definitely a risk, and um, but but at the same time, and and there were so situations I broke ribs and I went through entire tours with broken ribs, broken this, broken that, and so when I'm making faces, right, it's not that I'm really into my guitar. It's like I'm, I'm <laughs> wrapping my pants on my guitar. And everyone's like, man, he's really into it. I'm like, no, I have a broken <laughs> yeah, There's definitely some of those. I did a bunch of tours with broke, broken toe, broken fibula. So it, it happens. Ask for the hands. However, I am super careful. Same, same thing here, a couple of elements. One is that, again, I started judo when I was a tiny kid. So my, my grips, I still have the gorilla grips. You know, this is a lifetime of, of, of doing that, right? So the way I grab, the way I, I have, I use my grips and, and the grip strength is, is kind of different from, you know, most judo guys have ridiculous grip strength, right? Because this is, you know, we have, I have to do the pull-ups on the gi and all that stuff. So, so I, I have a grip strength that is a little bit unnatural to, you know, compared to civilians, so to speak. Um, there is a technique how you grab, right? There's a way how you get the grip. What, you know, like there are certain techniques and then there's a taping. The way I tape, actually I owe, keep, yeah, keep color, the, 
the Nega <laughs> boss, I actually still owe him a video. It's coming about taping, right? Because I tape body tape, body tape, basically two two and two two right together. And the reason I'm doing that is if you already hurt your finger, that's exactly what the doctor will tell you to body tape it to something, right? So why don't you start right there? Just start body taping off from the get go. So basically, what I'm doing, I'm taping these two together. But the technique how I do it, I leave a little space between the two fingers and I tape it together. But close enough that it's not smooshed together because it's actually uh, 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 the mobility of your fingers gets uh, a, a little bit, you know, restricted. So it's not completely close, but close enough. I and tape both the bottom and the top. And the reason I'm doing that so the gi cannot slip in between, because that's how you break a finger. That is one digit usually stuck in something, right? So the two digits stuck in something is much harder to break because obviously it's two. So I prevent the gi to slide in, right? And then these two have strength, and then these two has strength. If you were to tape the two, the center one, I mean, if you just try it, you're gonna feel a tension right here because it's unnatural, right? So I tape these two. Like, so the Vulcan way, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, so so that's how I tape. And, and that, that is a tremendous help. Uh, I never broke a finger, knock on wood, like I better find some wood there, but I never broke a finger and I tape it like that. And then I also know when to let go of a grip, right? So I will lose a fight before I hurt my fingers. So it's there, there, it happened in Panas. I had a pretty serious choke, you know, the referee came, checked on a guy, are you still alive? You know, okay, cool. And, and you know, and as, as he was inching out of my, you know, I had a baseball choker. And, you know, I started to feel that my fingers are twisting. Right. And so now I have to measure it like, okay, either I hold it and possibly win, you know, and it will be a huge win actually, or I have to think about my fingers and my career and my band and the fans and everyone else. And like, you know what, I'm going to let this go. And I have, and you know, and I'm not losing that fight on two points. So, you know what I mean? Because, because still, as much as I love martial arts, still, that is my career, right? So I have to be very protective of that. I have a lot of people working for us. So if, if I'm if I'm hurt, that, that that affects a lot of people. So you know, I'm super conscious. I, I don't when I train, I don't go hundred percent ever, not even fifty. I just I play, it's fun. I'm not now I don't have you know, I don't have uh, dreams about becoming a UFC fighter at this age or uh, you know what I mean? Right, That's right. that that boat sail. It's to me it's a super fun, keeps me in shape, keeps me, you know, a chess game in my head and you know. And I, I love the community. I love the the the, the worldwide, you know, sort of uh, the tribe that I'm part of. So that's that's what it is for me. Uh, how do you get your work in um, on the road? Okay, so I travel with my mats for since 2007. So that means since 2007, I always had mats with me, rollout mats on every tour. Uh, my security guys, I pick them that they're security guys, but generally jujitsu black belts. My tour manager is a jiu-jitsu black belt. So at least like two, three of us are black belts on, on the road. So I roll sometimes, and you know, in the local academies, anywhere, any bigger city we go, either we go to the academy or the local guys that we know come out. And you know, and sometimes we have literally, we have the who's who of jiu-jitsu backstage. Like we could actually have a competition, <laughs> a real competition backstage with referees and judges because I've been of guys backstage, you know, training, um, uh, uh, you know, before the show. So, so that's kind of the, the, the way I'm doing it. 
That's crazy. Yeah. I, I was curious of like, man, how does he get, how is he getting it in? But yeah, you figure, you know, just one yeah. little DM and he, any doors open doors are open in jujitsu regardless. Right. You know, people are just looking for someone to roll with. So I can only imagine, um, they're about yeah, to but that started to me because I was on tour and basically what happened in 2007, I was on tour and um and um one of the guys in another band actually herman lee from the band dragon Force, he's, he was uh training with hodger he was a blue belt under hodger hodger Gris. and um and so he knew that i was a judo black belt and so we took our mats and we were like okay you show me some some of this jiu-jitsu stuff and i'll you know show you some judo stuff and and i had a a friend who i had no idea that he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu he was a guitar player uh, from Canada, and he just happened to be there, and, and then he was like, "Oh, I didn't know that you guys train," and you know, and so he jumped in. He was a jiu-jitsu black belt on the hoiler, and he was my first connection, my real connection to jiu-jitsu. Then he introduced me to. But basically, you have to, the short story. I was going to California, and he's like, "I can hook up a, a private for you with Hoist, right?" And so I remember it was Evaldo Lima's Academy in Neutral Grand in, in California, right? Evaldo, great guy, love him. And so it was his academy, right? And so it, it, it's still today, this is a pretty funny one because I was at this academy, academy on a day off. I, I have a show the next day, right? And so now I'm going to see Hoist Gracie. You know, I, obviously he's a legend, you know. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is huge. And so... I'm putting my gi, right? I'm I'm wearing my judo black belt, which I shouldn't have, but you know, I had, I did. <laughs> you know, and so all of a sudden, door flies open, and the hoist comes in, throw his bag, and he's mad as a whore. And I'm like, oh, uh, I'm a private with him. I don't know how this is gonna work out, right? And then, and he's he's you know he's he looks angry. He threw his bag, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna beat the crap out of somebody today. And so all the guys with five more black belts there, everybody's like. Oh yeah, my knee brace is kind of acting up, and oh, I gotta pick up the kids, and so everybody kind of evaporating, right? And, like, and I'm looking at everyone, guys, uh, you know, like the dictator, like, no, this can't happen. I have a show. It's really difficult to play guitar if somebody rips your hand up, hand off, and shove it up your butt, right? So, right. I mean, I need all my fingers. This, this is not, is not good, right? <laughs> and so. Man, Hoist took it all the way to like, okay, get on a mat. So we got on a mat, combat stand. I'm like, oh my God, this is, and I'm still looking at my guys like, and anybody told him like, what <laughs> I do and, and who I am and, or, or something he, or, or how this is going to go. And then, you know, and it's like, let's go. He fist bumped me and he could see it on my face like, oh shit, right? And he started laughing. And then all the guys start laughing. Like they totally then all the way with a joke, I'm like, you. oh, they set you up. <laughs> oh, they set me up. Right? <laughs> okay, right? And then so I rode with Hoist. It was, you know, it was for me, this was the first like serious, serious Jiu-Jitsu guy I ever had a chance with, you know, chance to, to roll with. And then obviously, as I said, we have Navaza in Judo, but I mean, it's a whole different, you know, unless you are really there are some judo guys who are really concentrating on the bus and they're really good but generally judo guys are great great standing but not as good with you know with grand fighting and so man i i i got my ass whooped and then you know this it, it, it was really fun and, and then after you know after the the whole you know hour and a half i'm sweating two black eyes you know he didn't even break a sweat right and i kind of was a joke i'm like you know what i'm gonna give you my 
black belt, my judo black belt, give me a jiu-jitsu white belt and I'm going to start training. And literally, I start training like, okay, this, I need to know any, everything about this, right? And so I would travel, I would travel with Hoist and Hoyler, you know, I became friends with Hoyler, so I would go to these seminars that they were traveling. And so that's kind of how I integrated into this. And I moved from California to Nevada, and then they were telling me that there's Mika, Mika Sipili, his fifth degree black belt, you know, um, and um, he trained with Hickson, he trained, he trained with everybody, but, you know, um, and one of the most decorated guys, him and Megaton are the two most decorated guys in jiu-jitsu, actually, the most, if mm. you look at the who has the most medals, these two. And uh, so I, I joined his team, so um, Gracie, who made Las Vegas, and, and that's when I, like, really officially start training in 2008, somewhere there. Awesome, yeah, Megaton still yeah. out there competing. Like, yeah, that's yeah, oh, yeah, he's, he's still oh, yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> savage. He just won the Europeans, yeah, he's I was like, oh, the guy is crazy. Um, that's awesome. Do you wash your belt or is it bad uh, luck? Okay, so I'm a utilitarian, I'm, I'm I've always been a utilitarian, so this is what I do with it's like for some guitars. I have a, probably 100 guitars, but I'm not a collector, I just play what I use, and you know, so with the belt, I have. Um, I, I have new belts. I got the belt that when I get, you know, my black belt, for example, or any of my belts. I have the original belt that I got, right? And I have that sign. And then I just use another belt, right? So I just get a new belt. I, I don't, you know, I'm not right. attached to one belt. So, for example, if I open my closet, there's probably like eight brand new black belts in there, right? I don't, you know, I don't, you know, when I look at the eyes that have those, you know, it's like the cauliflower ears, uh, you know, I drain mine right. because I need to put my in-ears when I play and I couldn't. So I had to drain my cauliflowers. So I don't have it too bad. You know, it's sort of a, you know, like the badge of honor. Right. And I, and I see the same thing when, when the guys have the belt and it's like absolutely shredded, you know, it's like, I understand it's a badge of honor, but I personally have brand new bats. I don't, I don't, I'm not attached to that. You know? Yeah. Personally me, I'm like, I don't, I do kind of like badge of honor belt, but like whenever I felt my belt's just getting a little too ripe or like too bad, right. I just get a new right. belt. Like I've never right. been, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to wash it, but you right. know, I'll just get a new one, you know? So I'm kind of the same you, way. You know, like, like if you have the belt that beat up and you don't wash it, I mean, like probably you can send it to like some research institution. Oh. They can, they can <laughs> probably isolate some unknown, you know, <laughs> creatures that this is the first time that this, particular bacteria was ever discovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm teaching north south this week. I'm sorry guys. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. north south no, attacks. So so for me it's like if your geese dirty, I'm that guy that I'm gonna say I'm not gonna roll with you because your geese disgusting. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So I don't care what you think. If if you yeah. didn't wash your ghee and it smells I'm not gonna roll with you. No hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know you prefer ghee over no ghee? Yeah, I mean, again, I so Did you so know? I I started to convert recently, you know, um, to just to, to see what's what's happening with Nogi. I mean, most of my stuff, especially my grips, even judo grips, and the way I move, actually converts really well, even standing. But you know, I I grew up in a gi, so to me, that's that's always you put it on, it's your armor, you know, like it's ritualistic for me. Like you're now in a different place. This is where I put my own put on my gi, and now. The, the outside world is outside. 
I don't think about anything else but this, you know what I mean? So it has a, a sort of a ritualistic thing for me. That's when it shuts down the outside world. I'm here now and 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 I'm anything I think or anything I do is operating within this 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 bubble where we live as martial artists. So when so, you do no gi, you're just pretty much overhook risk control. Um Yeah, so I okay, I I, I move very very differently from you know from from most people so you know you you underhook me right which most people will you might be in serious trouble for that you know what i mean like you don't but because it's all judo for me even on the ground when it comes to that a lot of the the balance and emotion i i move is different because because i move that way because i did judo for decades way longer than jiu-jitsu so it's you know it's the pony that I, you know, I can't, you know, <laughs> can't get right. rid of, right? So, but I don't even want to, but yeah. So, so a, a lot of these things, my grip strength, obviously, then, you know, if, if, if you, you know, if you go for those, those specific grips, right, that, that Nogi guys are doing, I'm pretty good at exploiting most of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's such, that, such a reaction. Your hips have been doing right. that forever. So, yeah. So and and also like you know like just just to g- give you one like right you you cough me you know what I mean so I'm gonna hang my hand on you know in your crevice here right and then pretty much I'm gonna push it I turn my entire upper body it's unlikely that you're gonna stop me doesn't matter how big you are so I'm gonna hang in there and and I push in your elbow right but I do it with my upper body not with my hand see what I mean so I, I have that's like 210 pounds of I'm coming, you know what I mean? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm heavy. So, so when I'm turning my upper body, I get more power of that. And the general reaction, because I'm kind of putting you in a weird position, is people will push it back. And that's all I need. And the second you push it back, there's my throat. See what I mean? So, oh, okay. You're baiting. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to make you move to run right on a throat. So that's kind of my game that that most of the things that, that I do, um, I'm, I'm going to bait you into a, a really unfortunate position for you by your motion. Yeah. Well, man, I just want to, I just appreciate you coming on and talking to us. It's been an honor. I've been a fan of the band for a long time. Um, I, as is crazy as this real life is happening. So I just, (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, The PGF April 21st season six, um, it's exciting. A lot of cool rules. Um, I'll be sharing more of their stuff to my page. Every time they post something, I'll reshare it. And, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate the time. Uh, again, thanks again. And, uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, you know, and everybody out there, you know, obviously that what we're doing in the PGF come and see is pgf.home. But and then for a GGC community, you know, this is really what we're trying to do. We're trying to pave the way for GGC guys to be able to become pros. I'm really hoping that we're really changing something and other promotions will follow the, the example and put your money where your mouth is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let, let's get these guys paid. Let's, you know what I mean? That's that's kind of the goal. I agree. All right, brother. Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch. Thank you so much, my man. Thank you. We'll guys. catch you around. All right, All right. brother. Appreciate you. See ya. Thank you.